The Winnipeg Jets offseason continues to roll along, and while the Jets may have taken care of a little bit of business recently, the biggest questions still remain what happens with Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. Well, from all accounts, the Jets ain't resigning them. So what is next, and how are the Jets going to play this out? We'll dive into all of that on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NHL or enter promo code LOCKEDONNHL at checkout for a free white tech cat with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Now, like I said at the top of the episode, the Jets have been doing some business, well, I guess one particular piece of business, while leaving some other stuff hanging. But what did they do? Well, they did re-sign Logan Stanley for a year at $1 million, which is kind of funny because Logan Stanley kind of wants to leave, or at least that was the last conversation the Jets seemingly had uh, publicly with Logan. Now, obviously, when this whole thing broke out uh, earlier in in the offseason, the thought that Logan Stanley wanted out because he wasn't really getting a chance with the Jets is sort of amusing to me insofar as, you know, I, I actually feel like the Jets kind of gave Logan a good deal of leash. And in fact, Stanley probably got more chances than most of Winnipeg's defender prospects. Even Samberg struggled to stick in the lineup at times, and Stanley would come in and honestly get a pretty good spot. And I, I feel like, look, you know, Logan's got to make sure that he's also getting a good contract, that he's making those wages, and that that guaranteed cash is coming in, right? Because in the NHL, you're just not really guaranteed much of anything. And I feel like the Jets have reasonably given Stanley um, – some legit opportunities to try and seize a role, but I think we've seen more of his limitations than anything. So, you know, when this whole thing kind of happened earlier, I was like, well, it's probably time for the Jets to find him a, a new home, a place where he can, I guess, get more ice time. I, I don't even know what teams would really want to give him that sort of role, but maybe there's a team out there that sees him as some kind of a third pairing defender that they want to rely on. I'd prefer that role not really be with the Jets if, you know, Stanley is to stay. It's it's more of like a guy who I think fills in, you know, capably as like a seventh defender. But if you're asking him to do more than that, probably want to limit that just a bit. As for the contract, it, you know, the contract, excel, ex, ugh, excuse me, the contract, ex, wow, really struggling with words tonight. The contract itself is just kind of like, yeah, it's okay, right? It's like one by one. You really can't be that upset by the contract value. Um, I would say that in terms of like, you know, the cap hits, whatever, the, the value of the contract is whatever. I mean, one million by one million or one million by one year is, is certainly one of those things where it's inoffensive. I do kind of wonder why the Jets didn't just trade him earlier, right? I feel like Stanley probably has reasonably inflated trade value. 
teams seem to love like these big tall defenders with you know a pretty decent shot if we're being honest and, and Stanley's definitely mobile right I think that's one thing that I feel has always been sort of miscast about him is that when it comes to what he actually brings on the ice I feel like defending is actually not his best trait you're actually hoping to you know bring him more into the offense because when he jumps into the rush when he carries the puck He's got some legitimate jump to his game. Would it be something that I rely on routinely? Probably not. But like I said, for a guy who um, is is of his stature and stuff, he's reasonably mobile. He's got a big, powerful shot. I think the biggest thing for him to really work on is, is making better use of it because right now he tends to take a lot of low-danger shots. But I feel like if he adds a little more patience, if he's able to hold on to the puck a little bit longer, maybe make a few better reads there's a chance that he could carve himself out a role that's actually pretty uh, useful for the right team. I don't really think the Jets can make use of that skill set as much, but maybe there's a team out there that just feels like they're missing a big, tall defender with, you know, a booming shot. If Stanley can weaponize that into something and become like a really, like very, very, very budget version of like, I don't know, like a 7D version of Shea Weber, there's a legitimate chance you can find yourself a role at the NHL level doing that. But in terms of like the defensive work, I think we all know Stanley has unfortunately not quite met expectations for that. I don't think he's um, the worst defender that I've ever watched, and he makes a couple of good reads here and there, and sometimes even uses his frame effectively. But on the whole, right, you know, I, I feel like what people thought he was going to be, or at least what a lot of people were hoping he was going to be, um, never really panned out. I mean, I think a lot of us also understood that his ceiling was pretty limited. So. Yeah, I mean, Stanley coming back for a year, like I said, I don't really feel that upset about it, but I do kind of wonder, you know, what is the time frame on his stay as a Jet? Because at this point, I really don't see a role for him here. I don't think that he's much more than injury insurance. And while he is familiar with the Jet systems and all, it's not like he's playing routinely enough to where I feel like that, you know, makes a considerable difference in him being a player that you would want to keep around. But in terms of like, I guess, his interactions with the locker room and stuff, that probably counts for something pretty decently. And uh, he's also familiar with the Jets organization. He's familiar with the city. So in terms of, you know, all of that stuff that surrounds the, the contract details and stuff, I'm okay with that. But like I said, I do feel like in a few months, he's probably not going to be a Jet unless something really changes. I just can't see uh, Winnipeg wanting to kind of have the situation where you've got a guy who wants to be traded and, and probably could fetch you at least uh, a pick or something, you know, a lower end pick and maybe even clear off a little bit of cash um, and a little bit of extra cap space. But let me know if you're excited about the Logan Stanley deal. Maybe you love Stanzilla. Maybe you think I'm totally off base. Drop your feelings about the contract below. Now, in just a little bit, I really want to talk about the meat of the order, so to speak. We were, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that Frank Saravalli said about the Jets and Hellebuck and Shifley because, I mean, it is stuff that we are, are not exactly surprised by, but I think what is starting to become a little bit worrying is what game the Jets' front office is trying to play here. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good and offer you the kind of clothing fit and pants fit that not only accentuates the parts of your leg that you want to show off, but also just feels right. They give you a, uh, give you a sculpted look. They help you feel comfortable. They're stretchy. They've got great 
anti-stink sweat wicking fabric and they fit way better than a lot of the other clothing lines out there especially stuff like lululemon all of those pant types you you want something that's flexible comfortable makes you look good and of course is great for going out with friends maybe hitting the golf greens bird dogs gives you several styles to choose from and you will absolutely love them i promise you if you're ready to get started and place your order go to birddogs.com slash locked on nhl or enter promo code locked on nhl for a free white tech hat with every single order that's birddogs.com slash locked on nhl or promo code locked on nhl for a free white tech hat you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are just, uh, you know, coming back to this conversation about Winnipeg's offseason, and one of the big questions that still remains out there, it's it's what the Jets are doing with Hellebuck and Shifley. Now, Frank Saravalli on a podcast yesterday was talking about it, and he said that it's it's becoming increasingly clear that neither Shifley or Hellebuck are coming back, right, um, in terms of long-term extensions, not for this season. For this season, they are, are seemingly um, bringing, you know, being brought back into the fold for at least one more year. But I think long-term, it's, it's clear that Shifley at least is not resigning. The Jets, I don't know if they have a clear sense of what Hellebuck is doing, but Saravalli is pretty sure he's also not resigning. And that's basically what we said uh, towards the start of the offseason. That's a lot of what we heard relatively firmly. But I think hearing it again now, as we're just a few weeks out from preseason kicking off, I think it starts to paint a picture of of where Winnipeg's strategy is, right? Because Saravalli's probably not hearing stuff unless somebody from either the player agent's camp or the team itself is is saying this. And if this is the case, if Winnipeg is now about to enter a standoff with both Mark and Connor, it's going to be imperative that the Jets play this game very carefully because the trade deadline is going to be a really dicey time. You know, you don't want to lose any of these guys for nothing. And Shively, quite frankly, might be the only one of the two assets that actually brings back a decent trade haul. Because like in terms of goalies, right, as, as good as Hellebuck is and as much as we love him, a mid-season trade is going to be tough for him, systematically speaking. I mean, he's going to move to a new team. Um, he's going to have new defenders to work with. And there are a lot of adjustments and things that could make his life a little bit unpredictable. And so even with like a trade market that's desperately needing an elite goalie, even elite goalies don't tend to go for that much. And I think Hellebuck probably falls into that same camp. As a rental, I think he's still very interesting. I think the Devils should definitely take a swing at him if they can, but... Otherwise, you know, Shifley is going to be the big breadwinner. My real concern, though, is that the Jets are feeling like they're just going to run with this team as it is and, you know, potentially lose both players for nothing at the end of the year because they are going to view this this playoff revenue and stuff as the real ticket. And even if the Jets haven't firmed up, firmed up a playoff spot, right, at the trade deadline, if they're still within touching distance or if they are in a position and they feel reasonably comfortable that they're going to continue holding that position. Are they going to run with these guys and just sort of let them run out their deals? You know, do they feel that the value you get out of those games played is enough to um, replace the value of the, the, that you're basically giving up in exchange that I feel like, you know, in terms of the cost benefit analysis doesn't make me feel good. I got to be honest. I feel like the jets are about to play a really big dice game. And I don't know if Winnipeg's really going to win this one. 
they they did manage to win the Dubois one, so I'm gonna say you know that was awesome. But in terms of like this particular deal, I'm I'm getting a little bit of uh, an anxiety attack just thinking about it. Right now, I will say Shifley, you know, fills a lot of needs for a team like Boston. I still think at the end of the day, he somehow ends up a Bruin. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna happen. I can't even tell you what the Bruins would send back, but I feel like at some point in some shape or form, that is going to be the deal that materializes. It just makes too much sense in so many areas. I don't really know of anyone else that could potentially do a swap. I had a thought about maybe helping the Caps out, maybe getting some futures and prospects if you were to do something like a, a swap with Kuznetsov, right? You could potentially bring on Kuznetsov's cash, but I don't even know if he has like one of those no movement or no trade clauses. Uh, and also, you know, Kuzi at the stage of his career He's not so great, if we're being honest. I still enjoy watching him, but, you know, he does miss a decent chunk of time, and he's getting up there in years. So, you know, Kuzi, yeah, I I can't really see the Caps wanting to pay to move him. I think, you know, more than anything, they just want to find a trade partner that makes sense, or, you know, they're just happy to roll with him and keep the team as it is, because Washington, I think, long-term understands that, you know, they're thinking more about the future than they are the present. The only thing that they really care about right now is just getting Ovi's goal records. Playoffs and stuff like that, they've already really won the big chimichanga. They accomplished the goal. They got Ovi his ring. So at this point, everything else is just gravy, and I can't see them being willing to give up some futures for one last crack at a cup when the rest of the East is already way ahead of them. And quite frankly, they just don't have enough depth to really worry about even going for a playoff run. And other than the Caps, I mean, who else really could make a play for a top-line center? There just aren't that many teams, especially ones that the Jets would actually want to trade with. Um, I mean, you could say ooh, maybe Carolina or something, but like, what would the Canes send back? Probably a couple of decent prospects, maybe um, some picks. I, I don't even know, and I don't know that Carolina would even have the cap space to do it unless they cleared out some salaries. So a lot of moving parts, it just feels like, this is going to be something where the Jets kick it down the road and it ends up somehow biting them. They've usually done that with other trades, not so much with the Dubois trade, but I do feel like even with the Dubois case, right, they were willing to kick the can down the road if things didn't materialize with the Kings. So all this to say, I really hope they don't screw this up. The, the Shifley and Hellebuck trades, they kind of have to ace. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of value in those players. So if you're going to lose them, Make sure that you do it with a bang. Now, <clears throat> speaking of players uh, with a bang, there was one major contract extension elsewhere that I thought is worth talking about in just a moment. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you for joining us on tonight's episode of Locked on Jets as we are just talking about some off-season moves, some major, some minor, and uh, we were focusing mostly on the Jets. But now I wanted to talk about one big contract that I think is really worth spotlighting because you just don't see this happen very often. Austin Matthews has resigned for like $13.5 million uh, per year at four years with the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a very interesting contract for a number of reasons. For one, You'll look at the term and notice it's actually not that long. 
two. You'll also notice the the average annual value is pretty insane. Thirteen and a half million is more than pretty much anyone else out there, other than like McDavid. McDavid obviously got the league max, and he's still like what fourteen point something mil. So Matthews almost making McDavid money, um, and you know Toronto saying they hoped he didn't break, he wouldn't break the bank. Definitely didn't happen. He was going to be super expensive. Everyone kind of knew it. I guess the big question was, would the Leafs pay it? And would they be able to retain him, you know, if he were to consider going elsewhere? Now, I can tell you all the stuff about him going to Arizona was definitely not happening, not at 13 and a half million per season. There's no way the Yotes would ever want to give him that sort of money. So um, looking at it from a competitive perspective, I guess it'll be interesting to see how Toronto builds around that. You don't really see many 13 and a half million dollar players anchoring, you know, your top line. And they still need to figure out what to do with Nylander. Nylander, I feel like, is one of those guys where if the Jets could maybe work out a deal for him, should Toronto not be able to come to terms, I'd really be interested in the Jets taking a run at him. Now, I guess there are some issues in that particular move, right? Nylander isn't really a center, and I don't know that he would necessarily fill all the kinds of needs that the Jets would have. But in terms of a huge top six boost, another guy who could bring like an Ehlers level of impact to your team, who really helps in transition, who's an amazing scorer, and it would probably cost you in dollars around eight and a half to nine million, you really would be hard pressed to find many better wingers. For me, it'd kind of be like trading for a younger Mark Stone. Now, I think Stone is still, for me, uh, a slight cut above, but not enough to where I feel like the Jets acquiring Nylander would be a mistake. Now, that's just if he's not able to sign. I still feel like at some level they'll get a deal done, but it remains to be seen how that's going to progress. But I guess for Matthews, he's got his big payday. He's not locked into Toronto for forever. So four years, $13.5 million per season, big, big, big deal. And it does make me wonder if, you know, Shifley's next contract, wherever he goes, you know, if he's going to be looking for a huge payday himself. Uh, with, you know, centers kind of at a premium these days, especially prime-aged ones. Shifley's not necessarily prime-aged anymore. I, I think he's kind of past that point, but he's still super productive. And he's still kind of at the age where he is conceivably young enough to ask for a big, big, big raise. Now, I just don't know who's going to give it to him because there's not many teams that will have the cap space to do it. And the cap is not going up at a, at a level to where I think he can really just you know, ask for the world and truly get it. I think he's going to have to cap himself a bit. I think it's not going to be quite what he was expecting, but maybe someone surprises me and really makes a big play for him. I think teams should really be lining up to get Shifley on their squad. I, I, I know that I've criticized Mark's efforts in the past, but I promise you, if he gets out of Winnipeg, he goes to a team with a clear vision. He finds a squad that really fits the way that he uh, wants to see progress I, I feel like it's just going to be a match made in heaven, and we're going to see the Shifley of old. That really made me believe at one point that he'd be this team's captain and really be the face of the franchise. I know it didn't pan out that way, but I promise you, somewhere he's going to go. He's going to get you know a decent return for the Jets, but probably not enough for what he's actually going to bring to his new team. And that's going to be tough to swallow, but it is what it is. Uh, I will still wish him the best and hope that he can succeed wherever he goes. I guess we'll see how he gets a contract extension too. Cause like if, if Matthews is making 13 and a half million 
Shifley could probably make a pretty decent chunk of change in free agency. But again, it's finding a team that can actually afford him. That's probably part of the challenge. So a lot of moving parts on that one. We'll see if the Jets even make a trade, uh, you know, with either of these guys over the next few weeks. But for tonight's show, that is all the time that we have. Before you log off, be sure to drop your comments on how you're feeling about the Jets offseason so far and where you think both health, Helly uh, uh, and Shifley are going to end up here in the next few months. But like I said, for tonight's show, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We will see you back here tomorrow for even more offseason content.